Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Blaster Cannon, Den of Geek Star Wars and Expanded Universe podcast. I'm Sam and I'm joined by Megan Krause. Hello. And Paul Herman. Hi there. There he is. <laughs> We've been away for a while, but we're back now with D23 news because we got a lot of news. Our main topic today will be the new Mandalorian footage, uh, but... First, we're going to have a quick overview of all of the news we've gotten. There is more news. There has been so much news. And I'm sorry There's if we missed so anything. There's so much news. <laughs> I also kind of want to news. apologize for the fact that we took a month off right in smack in the middle of the news. There's been a lot of stuff going on. I moved. Staff started a new job. It's just been crazy. But we're going to try to go through all the most interesting stuff from D23 and from August. Yes. Yes. We're going to do it. So first up, uh, Disney Plus is going to premiere on November 12th in certain countries at $6.99. Nice. Um, and can be bundled in a package <laughs> we, nice. with ESPN Plus and Hulu, which will be $12.99. And this is obviously prices for Americans. I have no clue. I haven't actually looked at what the prices are for like Australia region yet. And that's I'm lazy. I'm pretty wow. sure the way they're listing this is the individual prices so espn plus by itself would be five dollars and uh, hulu by itself would be six dollars but you get the package for 13. that makes sense yeah um, i should have put the international dates on here and i did not i'm pretty yeah it's like i know several days later four days later it well sometimes i think well uk is not get yeah like february or something which I don't understand. What's the point of that? Like, why put It'll your be product... some licensing stuff or something? Uh, I don't know. There's, that weird, might be it. Yeah, there's always okay. weird, like, international roles with this kind of stuff. Um, and I'm not, like, super hip with that knowledge. <laughs> but I know it exists, and that's why stuff happens like that. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So I guess there's not really much to say about that. So let's continue on something that we probably do have stuff to say about, which is the Kenobi series was actually finally confirmed. Like, we are actually getting more Kenobi. Um, and I remember it came out in the trades first, so a lot of people were talking about it because of that. And then it got fully announced at D23 when Ewan McGregor told Kathleen Kennedy to ask him if he was going to be returning as Obi-Wan. And he was like, yes, I am. Um, and it would be really disappointing if he'd gotten up on stage and been like, actually, no, I'm not. <laughs> uh, and it took me a couple of days to actually register what that meant. Um, I was like, I was in the living room with all my flatmates around and... I was thinking about it, and then it hit me that we're actually getting more Obi-Wan. Like, this Obi-Wan was, like, the character that brought me into Star Wars. I love him so much. And yeah. it hit me that we're getting more, and I just started crying. Aww. Aww, it's really cute. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's been a while since, like, Star Wars news had actually, like, given me that feeling. And I was like, oh, this is so nice. Aww. This was interesting for me because they put the Star Wars news after 
after Marvel news on the um, kind of premiere panel they did. And Marvel had a lot lot of announcements there were what six tv shows that were talked about there including some big surprises deep cuts moon night so <sighs> i was like if this is what's happening at our like like the hour mark what's happening with star wars they're leaving star wars for last they know people want to see it are there going to be some crazy announcements turns out there were not crazy announcements there was the kenobi series which has been rumored for about four years and don't get me wrong i'm excited about this i love the jedi Ewan McGregor is super charming. I was a prequel kid, like, I'm very excited about this. But I was like, this is, they're they're playing it strangely safe compared to Marvel. And the whole panel left me a little bit cold. I, I didn't mm. like the fact that so much of the panel was a retrospective and that they went fully into the, like, we're going to do a slow cover of a Star Wars song over images from the whole saga. And then we're going to go into our new stuff. And maybe we can talk about this later because it's like also connected to the Mandalorian footage. But I wanted to kind of put that out there as my reaction to this whole panel was was a little bit like I'm not going to say disappointed because I'm like happy to see a Kenobi series. I'm excited for the Cassian series, but I'm really they continue to play it safe and Marvel is not playing it as safe. And the contrast is noticeable. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, this is this is something that we can discuss more, I think, with the Rise of Skywalker and Mandalorian. And, and I think but at the same time, I guess you know, we could also talk about with Obi-Wan, because I think there's there's definitely a, a thing with Star Wars right now that is where it's kind of a tug of war. You've got a lot of people who want to see these old characters, these old settings, because they love it. And that's what they grew up on. You have a lot of people who love Star Wars and they want it to grow. They want to grow, grow past of what it's become because obviously if you stay in the same things over and over and over again, it gets, becomes stale, becomes kind of boring or, the, you know, or, you know, just the same thing. Repetition kind of gets boring for a lot of people. Some people it doesn't, but for a lot of people, they get bored after a while. And I think a and general like audience you said, it's a lot that depends on when, what you grew up with. So like yeah, exactly. I grew up with the prequels. So of course my feeling is going to be a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah, and my and I grew up on the original trilogy, and that's you know, that's where I that's what I went went with, and, and but at the same time, I I love all Star Wars for the most part, and I I want to see Star Wars grow with, and there's also obviously a lot of debate with that. You could you know, I I think there's certain things you need to keep in Star Wars and whatnot, but at the same time, this is th- what what they're doing now is trying to you know, obviously the Disney Plus services try to lure people in. And there's a lot of people that are trying to who want Star Wars to be in that original trilogy kind of or what's safe. Basically, I would even say original trilogy. It's what's safe. What is going to make people want to subscribe to Disney Plus, even though it may not be. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the only thing. Only thing they'd want to do is for Star Wars. And obviously, Star Wars is a big, big thing, regardless of you know, you know, Galaxy's Edge and all that stuff. The drama, you know, the, the debate of is Star Wars in trouble or whatever. And you know, either way, Star Wars is still one of the biggest franchises ever, and it's not going anywhere. You know, it does it's, not so- have as large a catalog to draw from as Marvel does either. Right? When did the Marvel comics as we know them begin? Well, Marvel. Well, they just celebrated their. Well, technically, they're trying to celebrate their 80th anniversary. Mm-hmm. So they, their, their um, library well, yeah. older as well. They have more things. But, but at the same time, I think that 
Disney understands that Star Wars has right now. It's, I mean, the sequel trilogy has not been, I don't think, a failure, but it hasn't, I don't think it's caught on as well as maybe they anticipated. And, you know, but at the same time, I don't, who do I, what do I know? But at the same time, we're looking at things like The Mandalorian, Cassian, Obi-Wan Kenobi, all those take place in basically within 10 years of each other, you know? And that's, you know, and, the, and obviously The Mandalorian being the tail end of that. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that there's a lot, there's a lot to discuss with that. But at the same time, for me, as someone who grew up in the original trilogy, I love it all. I mean, I, I think this is, this is something that we, I, they needed to do in my opinion, because I think that fans wanted to see, oh, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi slash Ewan McGregor again, because obviously they tried to age up yeah. Ewan as much as they could in 2005. And he looks incredible still at 50 years old and you know, he looks can, so good. Yep. He looks great. Yep. So it's going to be a smooth transition. He's an amazing actor. He's not like, you know, a list to, to an extent of he's going to be, uh, you know, a Brad Pitt and they can't, you know, they're going to lure like a backup, a truck for him. I'm sure. They still did, but you, you get what I'm saying? Like, there's not, it's not like he was unavailable and he was very yes. open. And obviously I think it's great that fans of, you know, they keep track of this stuff. They, they, they know what fans want. And I think that's, and I, obviously there's some fans who are very vocal about things they don't like. And, and, <laughs> and, and I'm not saying they pay attention to everything and are going to say, yeah, oh, yeah, you're totally right. We're going to do this. But I do think obviously they do. They do pay attention to an extent. And I think they know like the Knights of Old Republic, things like that. You know, Boba Fett, Mandalorians and all that stuff. People, the Disney crew, they take they I'm sure they keep track of the stuff and how much social media is talked about. And they know this. And I think that. And if you just from being a fan on Twitter or on social media in general, as we all know, whether you wanted to see the series or not, fans wanted an Obi-Wan series. Like, I mean, there's no way around it. No matter, you know, I, I want an Obi-Wan series too. I, I also wish we got a little more about the series this time. I was hoping for Marvel had the whole lineup of uh, logos. Yeah. Like the oft memed Loki logo and stuff. <laughs> I wanted at least logos for for Cassian and Kenobi, and we didn't even get a font for them. Well, Kate, well with Cassian and and well, the, with the thing with uh, Moon Knight and all that stuff, I feel like that Marvel has a little bit more to pull from as far as logos and whatnot because they have the comics and they have already mm. original ideas and they can kind of get the ball rolling. Like I think the she, I mean, she Hulk and, and Miss Marvel and Moon Knight, they weren't exactly super articulate. If that makes any sense. I'm not, I'm not saying they were, and I'm a comic fan, so I know this stuff. I'm not saying they took them literally from the logos of the comics and, and slapped them on. Not really, but Moon Knight wasn't exactly, anything super intense she hulk looked pretty basic from what i've seen before in the past and miss marvel's saying they look great. like the comics exactly look, look, yeah look on the comics okay. yeah i feel i feel like they probably just said hey designer get get close to this but i think with star wars they need to figure out a way how they're going to design the logo because there's not really a way to do that with the mandalorian look, look at the mandalorian it's very it's a little articulate. It's a little, it's a lot more to me. It's a lot more designed than any of the Marvel logos. And I think it's good. So I think they're, tr they got to play it safe. I think with these, because I think with the, with solo underperforming and all that, I think they are trying to protect and try to really market these, these TV series. Cause this is the, I've, I've been saying this for a long time now. 
this is TV is the future of Star Wars. And I think they're trying to make it as special and as authentic as possible. So they don't, they don't want to just shove something out there, you know, but again, kind of to your point, Megan, you know, it would have been nice to have a little something more than that. And I think that's kind of the problem they're kind of running, running into. Whereas Kevin yeah. Feige announced is, is like, yeah, guess what? Moon Knight's coming. Bam. You know, I mean, he's it, like it, pointing at the, the niche Marvel fans in the back of the audience. He's like, you get your series too. And they're yes. like, woo. And, and the Star Wars fans are like, what about us? Yeah. So, <laughs> Where's it, it, my Red Harvest movie? Come on. Oh, man. <laughs> but that, that's I wish, I wish. So much I could segue from this into the into being like, and then as for Cassian news, but unfortunately we have no Cassian news. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about Mandalorian cast members that got announced, which is Ming Na Wen, uh, an unknown role, um, Julia Jones, who was in Twilight, which is the only reason I recognize her, uh, <laughs> which have been revealed by Entertainment Weekly, and Natalia Tina. I'm so sorry if I say any of these names wrong. Um, tweeted out playing the unnamed Twi'lek who winks, who I find very cute. My favorite Mandalorian character. Not really. Same. I mean, who knows? I mean, but maybe. <laughs> I like her too. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, she's she's very good. Um, I'll be surprised if she has an actual story arc. I feel like she's like going to be like a, basically bringing a character from one part, like one scene to another. But yeah. I was like, if she's cool, an actual character, Twi'lek, bright colors. Yes. But if she is an actual character, I will be so happy because I've been wanting a Twi'lek main character for so long. <laughs> I think, but I think again, she is. I should chill on those things. Last, last time I had my happiness with that, it, my heart was broken. The reason why I think she is, I think she's, if I'm not mistaken, again, from when I was in the Mandalorian panel and, and I've watched the bootlegs of that trailer a zillion times of which... We'll get in that Mandalorian trailer in a minute, but uh, I I want to say she was with Bill Burr's character, possibly. And he, I and remember like, all I remember from that panel is that I was the person. I think you might be able to hear me in some of the bootlegs when she turned up in the thing. I wooed real loud, and I was the only person to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, am I the only one of the three of us who had not watched the bootleg version? Oh, no, I, watched, I haven't watched the bootleg version, but I imagine. I'm in the bootleg version doing that. Oh, because you were there. I was there, yeah. Okay, right. I wooed in real time as the trailer was happening. <laughs> I wooed in real time. <laughs> but yeah, if you're right, Paul, I will be very excited. Yeah, I, I think I think there's a, a very good chance of that. I don't think there's... I, to be honest, I think I think, I think they know, the, the, the writers and the... And the everyone working on the show I think there's a value to having these reoccurring aliens. I know there's a lot of people on online who one person in particular, I'm not sure you listen to the show. His name's Andy. He's very anti, you know, the original trilogy aliens appearing and, and doesn't like when people, uh, uh, complain. There's not original trilogy Andy in particular. out. Oh, I have to, I, I love it. <laughs> I, I do. I love Andy, but I always like, Oh, dude, we don't need an original trilogy characters. In story. And he's not wrong necessarily. But at the same time, what we talked about <laughs> well, that kind of thinking, we get the Ebed Nito boom. Yeah, right, right. But here's the thing. But what we what like what we just talked about talked about. A lot of people want to see what's familiar. That's a part of the allure of Star Wars. No matter well, I what. I think Twi'leks are a good compromise. Not just because I like them, but because <laughs> they are both. They were in the original trilogy. That's where they began. And then there were a lot of them in the prequels, and they're bright and colorful, like the prequels. So it's a good, really everyone just, wins. They're just so cool. I love Twi'leks. 
I'm also excited that Ming-Na Wen is in this. I really like the kind of gravitas she brings to roles, and it's good to uh, see a familiar face in The Mandalorian, so looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm really keen to see what kind of character she's going to play. Yeah, totally. Saf, you're our Twilight expert. Do you know who Julia Jones is? Uh, yeah, she was one of the female werewolves. Well, the female werewolf, I think. I could be wrong on that, actually. Um, the Twilight expert who doesn't actually know anything about Twilight because she was in the later movies. Um, <laughs> All right. Yeah. If she is who I think she is, she's she's cool. She's cool. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 She is who I think she is. She's cool. <laughs> That's good. All right, we got some new Rise of Skywalker footage from D23 as well. Actually, you know what? I'm going to push this down to the bottom because I feel like we are going to talk about that a little bit. So let's let's leave that a little bit. Um, we got early state, kind of, for the Clone Wars Season 7, which is coming in February 2020. So at least the UK people won't have to stress about that too much. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to break the internet, as the kids say. So they want everybody to be on board and everybody to have... <gasps> You know, get their get Disney XD subscriptions for Christmas and uh, good to go for Clone Wars. That's going to be a wild time in the fandom. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yep. My um, sigh has reached ultrasonic levels. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I don't even want to read I can't do this like again. Time. Don't make me do this again. <laughs> I just, you know, I, I have to say the Clone Wars, I, I just have a feeling the Clone Wars is, is going to get such a big buzz again. I know, regardless if you like it or not, Megan, but I think it's going to have. Oh, absolutely. But I think it's going to have a positive re- repercussions in a sense to where I think it's going to cause more animated series like Rebels and Clone Wars again. And I'm not saying resistance so. and not saying the resistance is terrible, but I think they're going to see the value of having a quality and it, Again, not saying that Resistance isn't quality, but something akin to Rebels and Clone Wars. Because, you know, I guess I don't know if we're going to talk about this. If it gets everybody on board, I'm a Clone Wars curmudgeon. I have always been a Clone Wars curmudgeon. I know how to handle that. (laughs) But if it gets people united and if everybody is excited about it or like most people are excited about it, I'm happy for things that make that makes Star Wars fandom pleasant and fun. And that oh, part boy. I am looking forward to. And, and oh, something is here for that. Right. And something that we, it, it kind of goes with what we're talking about, but it wasn't on our schedule to, to talk about was what's going to be available on Disney plus that that was released this last week. just a couple of days ago. And what's really fascinating is that rebels clone wars, all of it's the whole, everything's going to drop on um, the debut of Disney plus with the Mandalorian's first episode or whatever it's going to be. And so rewatch rebels easily will be nice. Yes. So I I have to say it's going to be very, very interesting when, once they drop the new animated series in February, that's why I wanted to bring it up when they drop the new animated series, that's going to, you know, trigger a lot of people who haven't even watched it. You may, or again, because a lot of people rediscovered it on uh, Netflix and it was a huge, huge success that the, to the point where Netflix brought it back. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I think what's going to happen is they're going to drop these new episodes 
and people are gonna be like, I haven't seen all these. What should I do? And then they're gonna research it, and they may even just watch new episodes and go, "Man, that was really good. I'll go watch the other ones." And then they'll, you know, get hooked on it that way. And then, you, then Disney will see this uptick of the of Star Wars animation kind of go up, and that's where I think we're gonna see the positive the positive ramifications. I think there's gonna be a lot of people starting to invest into the series because they drop these new episodes, and you're gonna then you're gonna see the value of having something like clone wars where you can always go back and drop new episodes and people can just binge so much or rebels if, if you will like say they want to continue a ezra ahsoka and sabine series animated series or something like that they can drop it on rebels and people go oh it's it's new star wars rebels that's weird and then they can rewatch or you know watch it and go man that was really good i'll watch the rest of the series and, mm. and whatever so i think it's really decent to have that i don't want to go too far out on this limb but i think you make a good point there with like the netflix behavior like netflix type behavior right because people do just scroll and go oh like here's a thing i've never heard of before i might as well just try it out and you're totally right Mm -hmm. these long seasons of the animated shows are really good for that for just like oh this looks kind of neat this is colorful and has lightsabers and then you're like suddenly in season two and are hooked on it yeah exactly so I, th- I think it's going to be big. I, I really think it's going to be a, a big deal when it drops. And I think it's going to have some positive ramifications for hopefully uh, future uh, shows. We'll find yes. out in February. <laughs> <laughs> Before then, we have other stuff, I guess. Yes. Um, I guess. We, we definitely do. Age of Resistance stuff has come out. Uh, there's Poe Dameron and General Hux. And I've seen a lot of pictures on Twitter from these things, but I have not read them. I've not read them either. I was excited about it. And then my budget kind of changed, so I haven't purchased them. But um, all the Age of Resistance comics have looked really good so far. The Snoke one features Kylo Ren going to the cave on Dagobah, which I think is a great concept. So these are actually some of the places where we're getting like new sequel trilogy content, and I'm really enjoying that. I have not. I'm so behind on my comics right now. It is ridiculous. You're a comics um, expert, Paul. I trust you. I know. I, know, I trusted I, you. I know. I know. I know. I just, for some reason, they just they they've started building and building and building, and I haven't. It's like I could start right. In, I could dive right into Age of Resistance, but I'm, I'm like five issues behind on the main series, and then I'm like two, three issues behind Afra. And then, you know, a bunch of other stuff I have to finish up reading. I'm like, oh, boy, it's crazy. So I plan on, you know, I think once, for whatever reason, I'm kind of, want, I want to read it all at once kind of a thing. But I've been hearing positive things about the Resistance comics. Uh, I didn't know that Kylo Ren was going to the, the cave on Dagobah. I had no idea. So um, that's really exciting. And it's, uh, I think, you know, I think I have seen more, I think, positive i think affirmation from these comics particularly than the other age of comics as a whole even though i liked age of republic and age of age of rebellion i think there's yeah some i liked age there. of republic a lot yeah well no but i think overall I, i'm seeing a lot more chatter about age of Re- mm-hmm. or the age of resistance so really fast i wanted to touch on the fact that i think part of it is we kind of a pre-show conversation part of that's because they're starting to tell more stories with these characters you're starting to kind of get to know them outside the film. Yes, there's more buzz and about them. Exactly. Because it's re- it really is new information. 
Exactly. So I think that's why I'm really looking forward to reading these. I mean, I look forward to read all Star Wars comics, but I think most people are are I've, I've seen people who aren't really into the comics be really into the com- these Age of Resistance comics. So that's really cool. I think I'm looking forward to it. I've heard great things about it. So I'm curious, you know, when I do, I will definitely give my opinion on Twitter and on the show. So definitely look out for that. One of the things I wanted to bring up, speaking of Age of Resistance, Age of Resistance as well, at D23, they put out that timeline, which is really cool, by the way. I thought it was very, very cool. They put the, put the timeline out. Oh, and, it was, uh, uh, oh, yeah. That was some interesting graphic design there. Oh, that I, was a choice. I, <laughs> yes. I, I liked it. I, I'm all about it. I, I think that it was, was so hard to read. It was, I like like, it was hard to parse. No, honestly, yeah. it just sounds dumb. I liked it because it showed how much is what what's going on in this canon and how it's all connected. And one of the one of the really cool things that no one really talked about, and maybe they did, I just didn't care because I'm just doing my own thing on Twitter. But I've noticed that there's the they have the age of um at the very bottom, the age of republic on the very far left, age of rebellion in the middle, age of resistance on the far right. So yes, that was very, very cool. That's interesting. Yeah. I saw like one tweet about like are these new official era designations? Which That's is interesting. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to wait and talk about talk about on the show for a minute because I was thinking to myself, I wonder going forward, maybe in novels even, maybe they'll say Age of Resistance. That will be their, you know, for people to understand. This is a, you know, because you know, again, for the people who are not necessarily keen to your word, Saf, I, I adopted from you. Um, <laughs> if it's, they're not keen on the idea of what what errors are because it's very confusing like it's like me for star trek or some you know if i want to read star trek there's like a zillion things for me what do i start right so but what's nice is if you if you label start labeling everything in the eras as what they are like this is the age of rebellion this is the age of resistance this is the age of rebellion people will know oh yeah this is prequel that's original trilogy this is i mean people will know by visually oh yeah resistance that's that's the new that's ray or, oh, yeah, Age yeah. of the Republic. That's Anakin and the Clone Wars stuff. Like, that's so, exactly how kids will parse it, I think, too. Yeah. It'll be kids that's telling true. their parents, like, no, you need to get the one that says Age of Resistance because that's Ray. I can just hear that conversation. Exactly. So, and think about I think that's a genius idea. And I hope to see that on the future publications, not just the comics, but on the books. It'd be nice because it, it would tell kids and adults, too, who want to read this stuff or get involved in this stuff. Where, you know, oh, yeah, this is this isn't, you know, if we're easily confused because there's a lot of them, I get easily confused with everything, too. They can really easily differentiate what's going on. I think it's a genius idea. And I think Lucasfilm should definitely adopt that for a lot of their publication stuff, in my opinion. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So we also got details of the layout and the story of the Halcyon. Halcyon. I have never said that word out loud before. See, today Halcyon. so there we go <laughs> the official you name is Halcyon? Halcyon? Just, you, I, I could have swore you said Hassian. it's Hassian. it's Cassian Halcyon Halcyon how do you say Halcyon <laughs> <laughs> she can't help me <laughs> <laughs> I realized that was a bad question to ask her. Anyways, we get a story, we get the layout and the story of this, or the details of it, uh, which is the official name for the Disney Parks Immersive Star Wars Hotel, which is going to be expensive as hell. Uh, I know I'm never going to it, but it looks cool. So <laughs> and also, I, I saw the name and I was like, it's Corin Horn's right, dad, it's Corin grandfather. Horn. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Wait, how have you never pronounced that before when you have a whole podcast about Cornhorn? It's I've not only ever called him Howhorn. Huh, you know okay. what? It's entirely possible I have actually said the word out loud and just never thought about it before. <laughs> um, I wanted to put these on the list because um, there's a couple like Disney Park stuff coming out, including Black Spire and the other um, Crash of Fate, the other Galaxy's Edge book, and this new hotel news. So I my also impression of this is that it's crazy expensive, and I don't know if I would ever go there. But it's technically part of the Star Wars universe, so put it on the list um it looks cool it looks beautiful it looks immersive i don't know whether this hotel is going to be available at disney world or disneyland or both do either of you know this i think I... it's just disney world isn't it yeah that's I, what I, I think as well yeah i, I think it's only there quick. i could be wrong um, for me there's kind of a this is too much and i'm curious what actually <laughs> you think Steph, because I, I don't get me wrong. I cannot wait to go to Galaxy's Edge. I'm looking forward to going there at Celebration with all my friends. And, and obviously you guys, I'm assuming, uh, will hopefully be there. And we can all go together with a big crew or something. And I cannot wait to go in and dive into a world of Star Wars. What I don't want to do is eat, sleep, and immerse myself you know, in a 24-7 kind of mentality in that same universe for me anyway really? I, interesting I, that's not honestly i kind of feel that well no i don't feel that um i'm interested in this for the design from a design immersive like narrative design standpoint obviously uh oh, yeah. but otherwise i'm like i don't love the idea of making this whole big fancy thing that's inaccessible to most of the people who like star wars exactly, yeah. See, exactly. i don't totally love about that about this like i would love to go to this but i don't I can't even fathom when I will do it. Yeah, like, like I literally don't idea. think I could ever do this in my life. And I just, I don't know, I, because this is a thing that, like, kids would love, right? And there are so many kids that will never be able to make it to this thing. Like, even Disneyland, Disney World themselves are pretty inaccessible. But to make something, like, even a step or, like, two steps higher than that just seems like it takes, I don't know, it doesn't feel like, I mean, a lot of Star Wars is, like, capitalism is bad maybe uh so i'm kind of like well this this kind of goes against the purpose of star wars for being for everyone yeah and that's a really good point saf because that's the thing if it was a little less inexpensive maybe it'd be smart or it'd be fun to maybe get a, a bunch of friends like if a, a bunch of us were like hey let's do that be really fun and immerse, immerse ourselves that'd be different because it would be more of a big group activity, it'd be fun, and I wouldn't have to break the bank for it. But everything that I've, I'm seeing for prices, mm. it just doesn't make any sense for me to yeah. want to do that. To be clear, also... official pricing is not out yet, but there have been rumors in the, what is it? It's in the thousands for two nights, right? Yeah. And the yeah. per individual, yeah. not, you cannot share these rooms as well. We, like, you can't split the cost of these rooms is the early rumors. Um, but they have not uh, put the official price out yet. Um, while I'm doing fact checking, it is located in Disney World in Florida, not Disneyland in California. Yeah, that makes sense. They got more space there. <laughs> I don't know. It just, I, it, I'm curious how much they'll actually make out of this. Um, or like how exactly. many people will actually go to this. Mm, it's just, going, yeah. Mm, yeah. Like technically, like the technical side of it, I'm going to find really interesting. But the actual like reality of it, I'm like, did we need this? We did not need this. We don't need anything. Let's be real. But at I the mean, same true. Yeah. 
Right. But at the same time, how profitable will this be for them in the long run? I would, would not be shocked if it went away in five years. Would not be shocked. They, Interesting. In Maybe my in 10 years, we will see it on the Defunct Land channel on YouTube, which is one of my favorite YouTube channels. <laughs> oh, I gotta find that. That sounds interesting. Real, it just talks about defunct like theme park stuff. It's real great. I'm um, sure I, I'm sure there's one about the Oz one in North Carolina. Have you, is there, I think there is. It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I want to. I gotta watch that. I want to go there <laughs> so bad. I love Oz. Anyway, sorry, side tangent. Anyways, yes. So maybe uh, odds are you, unless unless Den of Geek becomes an extremely profitable company and can pay for all of us to go, Paul, I doubt you'll ever are, see a review from us for this thing. Are we all? Are we all into Return to Oz here? Uh, yes. I yeah. In, no, I feel the synergy right now. Oh. <laughs> You, you wait, you're not kidding. You love Return to Oz too. I appreciate it. I thought all the robot <sighs> stuff was cool. There was a chicken in it. It was really weird. I liked all that. Wait, you need to rewatch it. If you if you're if you're just if you're just only like you're kind of into it, you need to rewatch it and be like, okay, this is amazing. You have the Sam, gnome good. Have you I've seen, never seen it? To but Oz? now I have to watch it. Oh, okay. Because yeah. this uh, we I know all of us have Return to Oz energy. I just never confirmed it before. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Sap and Megan. You, in, in, just in case you forgot, Megan, but Sap, there's there is a the gnome king. The king ends up wearing the ruby slippers at one point. <gasps> oh my god! Also, Megan already saw me by saying there's a chicken. I'm in. It's great. No, it's it's legit. <laughs> it's legit. Like it's something All right. that very weird. I'll watch it then. <laughs> not. It's incredible. The, yeah, we have to, it, when you do, you gotta live tweet it for me. Like yeah, I, I, I gotta. I promise I will do that. All oh, right, man. That's that's the breaking news on this episode. Is that Blaster Cannon has big return to Oz energy? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, can we talk about Black Spire? Yes, I realized I skipped over that by accident. So Black Spire came out <laughs> for the general public on August twenty seventh. Uh, me and Paul have not read it yet, as per usual. <laughs> yes. So but hard. Megan has, and Megan has opinions. I read it several months ago and then forgot that I needed to review it. And then quickly, <laughs> I was literally at a friend's house and I was like, I'm so sorry. I have to leave because I have to review this book tomorrow. I oh, have been there. I had you read it in that. one day? No, I got it a while back. I got it like closer to when the press opening of the park was. I did not go to the press opening of the park, but I received oh, the book right. in the Oh, that's right. Yeah, mail. that's when the arcs came out. Yes. I saw a lot of people talking about it then, yeah. Yes. Well, not like, you know, not breaking any <laughs> uh, embargoes or anything. They were just like generally talking about the fact that it was in their hands. Yeah, there was fo- there were photos. People received it at the park, and then they sent it out to I don't know how many reviewers it was, or or certain reviewers or what. But I had it for about a month, um, and then forgot about it, and then wrote the review in a night. So sorry to everyone involved in that, including myself. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, I have not read Crash of Fate. Paul had an interesting question, or what I think like is a useful question for our audience before the podcast, which was, did you read these tie-in books? Do you feel that they were uh, kind of lessened by the fact that they are Disney Park tie-ins? Um, my opinion on this has always been that I look at Star Wars books kind of independent of 
their place in the marketing machine. You've heard us talk before in a, there have been episodes where I have said, I'm now speaking about this book as a product instead of as a work of art. And I can separate those things very closely. And I'm very conscious of that when I do my reviews. So with this book, I came into it in mind with, I'm not necessarily going to say how I feel about it as a product. Um, but I will say that there are a lot of books like this. There, When I was a kid, there were, so that's like late 90s, early 2000s, there were books called Kingdom Keepers, which were about kids who kind of go through a magical portal inside Disney World, and the Wicked Queen, the Maleficent, tries to take over the, the park. It is a, like, like metafictional, like, Disney characters are walking through a portal into Disney World. And it was totally an advertisement. But I thought it was really fun as a kid. I hadn't gone to the parks, but I was just like, this is cool. It's a portal fantasy. It's like Narnia with all these pop culture characters I know about. So I'm generally actually like in favor of, I think park tie-ins are no more silly or exploitive or capitalist than any of these other tie-in things we talk about, which are extremely capitalist at all times. And so uh, I took it from a from like what how is this as a piece of art as a piece of fiction um in terms of the kind of standards that i usually hold star wars books too um and so to those standards it was not great um i found myself um kind of wondering like why am i reading this sometimes <laughs> which is very unfortunate because i really liked delilah dawson i really loved phasma um and this book felt rushed to me i have no idea whether it was uh, but I felt that it was written um, very, <sighs> everything was so straightforward. There was no time for nuance. Um, none of the humor worked for me. There were some scenes that were kind of supposed to be very serious. And then there'd be a little humorish humor twist, which made them almost cartoonish. And then there'd be some grisly violence afterward. And... The concept of this book was so nice. It's a found family. It's um, a bunch of good people trying to do good in the world. And I love that. But the whole time it felt like you could see not necessarily the back of the park buildings, but the back of the characters. They were cardboard in the most kind of literal sense. And all that is like this, like, not great shell around the inner core of the Marathi, who I actually really like. I think her character came off as quite consistent. She's exactly, she reminded me a lot of Poe Dameron. She's the a poster child for the resistance. She's gung-ho about being good, and she's gung-ho about Leia, and about bringing people together, and her strength is about bringing people together, but at the same time, she's a spy, so she's not used to being a public face of anything, and her whole thing, her whole, like, plan requires her not being a public face of anything and also being a leader at the same time. And that's a hard place to negotiate. And watching her negotiate it was really entertaining. But I wish the book just was a little tighter in terms of its construction. And the Marathi deserved better. The other thing that was really remarkable about this is that um, V is uh, canonically asexual is the simplest way to say it. Um, Star Wars is rarely explicit about sexuality of any type and um, usually puts straight as the default. It's also um, kind of much more, I think they've been more um, free with sexuality in the books in terms of both 
kind of more graphic scenes and more characters of different orientations in the books than in the movies. So with all that context, um, it was nice to see a character kind of explicitly state that she's not generally, like, attracted to people. She's never really had that experience of being in either, like, a romantic relationship or kind of having a fling and having her say directly, like, this is not part of my experience is was really cool. And I never had a character that kind of um, showed that experience when for quite a long time, Star Wars has always felt like a very safe place for, like, asexual representation because usually it's just not talked about. It's pretty, like, it's often PG-rated. That just makes it not really something that characters talk about. But to have that directly stated by a character was like, this was part of her identity was really cool to me. And it was also really cool to Elizabeth Schaefer, one of the editors who made a very like meaningful um, like couple tweets about it. So all of that, I really loved. It's really nice to be able to go see like, this is like the, the Disney cast member who's playing V. Marathi and go, oh, I know like her from that novel. That also brings me to one of the weird things about V being a sexual representation, which is that she's the character that is, like, the fa- the face character for a Disney park. And part of me wonders, like, did they do that specifically because she's going to be, um, she's supposed to be kind of a a good character for kids, right? She's supposed to be this innocent person that's in a... Uh, sort of sanitized world and I feel a little bit weird about that and I'm not sure why or whether I should or whether that applies like I I don't I never thought about like how does that apply to any other of the face characters at Disney I don't necessarily think it does Um, but it did like come to mind as well as the fact that um, characters of color are often kind of desexualized in a way that is not empowering to to people so all of those things are important factors in this story and all those things are something that made this book interesting Unfortunately, the act of reading it was not itself very interesting. That's my speech. Yeah, I hadn't thought about the ace representation in that way before, and you've got a good point. Um, I'm not even sure that I do. I don't know (laughs) if that is what happened, but that's a fair thing to be, like, grappling with with it, I feel. Like, this book in general is definitely something to grapple with in a way that it is so tightly linked to a real-life theme park. Um, it's one of the reasons I've kind of avoided reading it is because, I mean, for one thing, nothing about it has really, like, caught my attention. Um, but also I'm like, I don't want to read a thing that's going to make me feel bummed out about not being able to go to this place. So escapism in a bad way, like, because <laughs> it's funny you say that because I feel like that when I read Star Wars books all the time, but it's because I want to go to the Star Wars galaxy. Yeah, not, but like, it's different when it's I like, go to Florida. <laughs> A physical place yeah. that exists. Oh, that's weird yeah. and bad. That's interesting. Yeah. And I don't like that. Like, I like the escapism of being like, I want to be in the Star Wars universe. But I don't like the escapism of somebody else is going to this fun place. And I'm not. It's <laughs> interesting. Yeah. This, uh, I don't really have a problem with material selling something because that's what I'm, I buy. That's all Star Wars is, is something to sell sell me and marvel and pretty much everything that i enjoy is usually commercialized and in a lot of ways and and i have no problem with that my problem is when the story itself is just insignificant and that's what i i've been you know feel with some of these galaxy's edge books and 
I, I want to read it for myself, but just hearing your review, Megan, and other people's reviews, there's nothing in there that makes me want to go. I want to spend a lot of my time with this book and I'm a slow reader and, and I'm also, I, I get the audiobooks and it's, and I want to listen to them, but I also don't have an ample amount of time to, you know, when I'm driving and things like that, I can try, but it's just, it's hard for me to always, you know, to really give the paid attention to them too, you know, and other books are coming out that I need to listen to. So it's getting harder and harder to like want to read some of these books or listen to some of these books because there's just nothing really substantial about them. I mean, with Alphabet Squadron and any Master and Apprentice, I didn't love either one of those books, but I didn't hate them. But I think there is some a little bit significance with them. Well, these Black Spire books, they feel so just Again, they're, they're giving us new material and it's canon and I, I love that stuff, but th there's nothing in there that makes me want to read it other than that it's just it's a Star Wars. And right now I need more than just Star Wars for it to sell me itself. It needs to give me reasons why. Is there are there um, gonna be situations oh, really quick, are there situations in there that I'm gonna really enjoy? Like meaning there's what significance in Black Spire will there be? Is there like a Jedi Temple on Black Spire? Like, you know, things like that. I mean is there going to be characters that I may know it's going to be on Black Spire? Are there going to be aliens that I'm aware of? Or maybe, or give me something, give me a reason to read it other than just you want to sell me a Star Wars book. I need something more. And at least with Master and Apprentice, it's about Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. So, done. With Alphabet Squadron, it's post-Return of the Jedi and the whole post-political climate after Return of the Jedi and the fallout from that. And also an interesting idea about, you know, a, a squadron that's made up of all different types of starfighters. There's a decent premise there and it sold me on that. So with these other books, there's nothing really selling it on just like it's Black Spire, but Black Spire from what I've heard from Galaxy's Edge and all that stuff doesn't sound, it sounds great and fun, but it doesn't sound like I want to buy books and read them about the 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 place necessarily so i've got that with timothy zahn's book and uh thrown uh, alliances i believe and i think that's the name of the book there's like three of them and i'm not reading yeah the yeah one. it's alliances uh and and that was fine but it, i was really intrigued at first but then it just didn't really matter so i'm like what what's the point of reading these if, if galaxy's edge doesn't really matter it's just a thing to sell me on so that's where I kind of stand right now with some of these these books in general, but especially with these these uh, Galaxy's Edge novels. Okay, yeah. I was just gonna say um, to kind of clarify what you meant by the significance, but you went ahead and did that, so good. Excellent. <laughs> Perfect. Great. I yeah, I feel similarly to that at the moment. I'm kind of burned out on Star Wars books because none of them have really. I mean, apart from Alphabet Squadron, obviously, none of them have really like made me feel that joy but i could say the same thing about a lot of eu like oldie legends star wars books <laughs> have done the same for me as well so it's just really for me i know it's about the volume of stuff and eventually i mean i'm picky about books in general eventually stuff will rise up that i love but when it's all coming out as mm -hmm. i'm reading stuff it's harder for me to look at it that way i guess and yeah when a lot of it becomes tie-in material to like a real world theme park i'm just like <laughs> Why? <laughs> Stop, please. But that's just me. Mm. Uh, and I have seen other people really enjoy Black Spire, which is good. I'm glad for them. I'm happy for you. <laughs> so the last <laughs> you thing, people. you people, I'm I'm happy for you. <laughs> so the last thing uh, 
we're going to briefly talk on, briefly, very briefly, I'm going to keep this short, is the yeah, new Rise of Skywalker footage. So far. Yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying my best. <laughs> From D23, which was a whole, like, real thing, which was like, look back upon Star Wars, and then look upon this very, very slight new stuff you get to see. It was including, very upon, you're right. Yeah, including Dark Ray with a snappy lightsaber, and some other things that I've now forgotten. Oh yeah, Ray and Kylo dueling on wreckage in the ocean, uh, and probably other things too. <laughs> probably other things. I don't know. Dark Ray's the only thing that really stuck with me because I talked about it a lot, a lot. I'm so irritated they released that. To be honest, I just think we get so much speculation though. It's exactly. It's obviously a ruse. It's so ridiculous. I I just feel it's so obvious. And and I don't, and again, I'm not trying to poo poo on people's like speculations i love speculating but it, i'm more irritated at the fact they included that in the in the in the trailer at all it's like really come on we all i mean it just feels i mean if i'm wrong i will be shocked and yeah I think honestly that- i when you people be like do you think she's evil i'm like come on star wars yeah. is not gonna make the main character of this trilogy who's all about hope and goodness evil mm-hmm. at the last second like there's no build if, up to that if it did that'd if, be awesome if they'd shown this like teaser for the last jedi i could have been like maybe i could buy this it's yes, a middle movie exactly. who knows what's gonna happen but for this one i'm like come on exactly. <laughs> but also at the same time i have really loved coming up with really stupid theories about it like this is raised other sister her twin That's sister fair. that her parents just left on indoor because they forgot about her uh it's actually palpatine and he's just using like a clone of ray and when he when when she that hot hot evil ray opens her mouth it's sheev's voice instead like it's been great for funny theories honestly the jokes have been great um and i am curious to see the circumstances that we do see this like is it ray seeing it is it kylo seeing it is it both of them seeing it maybe finn seeing it i don't know i'm curious about what the force is actually going to be like with the death star wreckage and everything because that has who so many things that could happen with that there are a lot of implications through the the star wars canon that mm. could tie into like what the death star wreckage is like and so the dark ray thing has gotten me really excited about force stuff um more than like i've cared about whether or not ray turns evil if that makes sense like i've used that to jump off into the weird esoteric stuff i care about and then all of my friends are just sitting there in the background just being like come on Seth, shut up Whoa. shut up about the dark side this is your time though like what are your what's the esoteric logic of the dark well, side okay well because i think that this could be like okay i'm gonna go off into like a little twilight thing here but she very much looks like <laughs> she very much looks like um bella at the end of like the twilight films when she finally becomes a vampire she gets like that perfectly smooth skin and like beautiful eyes and smooth beautiful hair kind of like this idealized she didn't have those before seth yeah she did but she looked even more like she obviously had I'm like you a hard time. I'm sorry. A filter in real time over her face. Um, <laughs> it's fair. I know. I know. <laughs> how I'm being a vampire be is, but it kind of gave me this like, I, like it kind of has the idea of like the beautiful predator monster kind of thing. Um, <laughs> Did you just wait? You just compared to the, the predator, like the like like the not the, no. not the predator, not, not, a lowercase predator. B. Lowercase, lowercase B. Like a predator in the way that a vampire is a predator to humans. I know. know. (laughs) She looks like the predator when the mask comes off. I mean, that would be cool. Uh, That would be very cool. Um, This is the Vongcast crossover. Give Ray mandibles. 
god, yes. <laughs> and she Man. feels very much like a yeah, like an idealized, beautiful version of Ray. Um, who's also evil. I love her lightsaber. And I feel like it's definitely gonna be something they see in the Death Star wreckage at some point, because like we've talked before about how the Death Star wreckage and like Sidious being dead there, dead quotes, maybe. Um well, probably did. has a huge dark side stain upon the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, probably in a similar way that Dagobah, the, da- the cave on Dagobah has. And I find it interesting that they have the Dagobah cave in that comic coming up to this movie because I feel like it's going to be relevant in the fact that <laughs> it'll be her or Kylo or someone else in there. Probably not someone else who's not force sensitive, I guess. I don't know. But like, they will they will see a lot of stuff. They'll like, my idea is that they will see a lot of alternate versions Mm. of what could be happening and that's kind of what i'm kind of leaning towards right now is like not like alternate as in like it actually could have happened but alternate as in their brains are like this is what i could have been or this is what someone Mm. else could have been it reminds me a lot of the cave on dagobah as well as the visions that's my dark ray theory (laughs) i think it's most people's dark ray theory and i think i think that's accurate i think there's something like that going on i think there's to me, with the which I, I I think it looks cool for one. I don't think Dark Ray looks bad. It looked weird. It looked just visually. It something seems off from it. But I think that's the point, though. Exactly. I think that's what that's yeah. why we think it's. I think it's a vision. I think everyone assumes it's some kind of vision. Which, again, kind of like in that the the first actual trailer we got from the last or the, you know what I mean. The main trailer we got in, in October of last year. Um, with last jedi when she says uh i want to know my place in this gal you know where my place is and then kylo ren like reaches out his hand and insinuating that like they're going to join forces and something i feel it's something like that where it's It's kind of what i was thinking about with it or like the reverse shot of ray raising the lightsaber or it's actually her lowering it yeah exactly so i think there's there's something to it one of the things that i thought about and i this is me this is my not my speculation this is my hope is that Ray sees this, right? Like, let's say this is a vision. So Ray's like whatever and sees this vision and sees this dark side Ray and has a double-bladed lightsaber. What if, like, let's say like what we've seen is only half the film from the trailers, right? And and let's say let's let's pray that JJ smart and doesn't show us anything close to the end so it's a surprise complete surprise like he he late like so there's no footage we have no idea what's coming kind of a thing. What I'd love to do is to have her see that double-bladed lightsaber and then ended up ends up doing that same thing because she gets that inspiration from seeing like, the vision. Oh, that's cool. I want and that. Exactly. Because she's like, I better get this because I'm gonna fight these knights of Ren. I'm gonna have this problem. And I, you know, I'm gonna need some more weapons that I have my staff. My staff's useless against these, you know. What if I the dark side cape? Something like that, where she gets that idea. And she has the double the double bladed lightsaber that we've all been like pounding the table for, like, you know, because <laughs> it makes sense. And the fact, and the reason why I think it's a it's a small chance, because I think if she did have a if she really did have a double double bladed lightsaber, I feel like it'd be all over the marketing. But but the one thing going in our favor is the fact that one. They actually gave it to us in this vision, which is interesting that she has a double-bladed lightsaber, but she doesn't have one in the movie, like for herself in real life. That seems kind of interesting that they would do that. But two, they because they wanted to save that as like a, a kind of an end thing, like it's her becoming herself, like where she's, you know, we see her with, with Luke's lightsaber that's all busted up and it's all, you know, 
make you know fixed up whatever we could maybe what if we saw her create the little bit of lightsaber to become her own person it's like yeah i don't need luke's saber anymore i'm making my own double-bladed bad boy and then she's like and then you know that's a, a a big kind of like character moment for her in the movie and then later on after the movie comes out then it's all over the marketing with her and a double-bladed lightsaber kind of a thing i think that's a small chance of happening i'm hoping it happens it's wishful thinking but that's what I want to have happen from as a result of this uh, dark side double bladed lightsaber ray. I'm curious yes. how the Sith are gonna factor into all of this because obviously Sidious is a Sith, um, right? But Kylo is not. Well, um, hold on, now hold well, on. Well, he might Remember, be now, but yeah, like, the Vanity Fair originally. article. Yeah, the Vanity Fair article. This you gotta you gotta love the non planning of the sequel trilogy because you gotta love. They said, oh, he's you know I think it was Pablo Hidalgo said they're they're not Sith. And then now in Vanity Fair article last month, basically they're like, yeah, we're going to see a resolution to the Jedi and the versus the Sith. Oh, are we now? Okay. So well, to be fair, I, originally they, they weren't Sith. They oh, weren't no, I, Sith. I agree. No, yeah. I know. I, but that's what I, that's the problem, though, is now they are. It's been going to retcon it because with Palpatine coming back, he's – because basically – well, they I'm have been, they retconned it? They haven't retconned that well, Snoke not a, is a Sith. Well, not, a, well, not officially. But the fact that they're already assuming that, well, I don't know if Snoke was a Sith. How about that? I'll give. Well, that's I'll the give, thing is like it's not reconning anything because if uh, Snoke's not a Sith and Kylo wasn't a Sith, then but if Kylo they were could no become Sith. a Sith. Though that's what I'm saying. He could be end up becoming a Sith. Yeah, which, but if they told us early on in the saga that Kylo, even if they if they had planned this out meticulously, and Kylo wasn't going to become a Sith until the third movie, they wouldn't have told us anything good, about I, that. That's, that's, they would have been like, point. there are no Sith in this because what's the point of telling us at that point? That's a good point. I could, I yeah. could see that, but it seems to me the fact that they they try to, for me, well, the way they were talking about this, the Force Awakens and the sequel trilogy, that the Sith, like JJ, wanted nothing to do with the Sith, like that he wanted his own thing, and that's why you had Snoke and all this stuff. I feel like that was all JJ, kind of like we're gonna do our own thing because we can do it better than George. I, I, I and that's just my opinion, and for, just judging from what, but judging from what they were. Again, there's no plan of the sequel trilogy, and J.J. had pretty much free reign to do whatever the heck he wanted, and there is no Sith. They made it very clear, and then all of a sudden now, with Palpatine coming back, it's like, oh, now we're going to see the ultimate, you know, the finally the, the resolution between the Jedi versus the, versus the Sith. It's like, hmm, interesting. But either way, I think the Sith are going to be represented. I think Kylo's going to be a Sith. I think I would not be surprised if they did retcon it and said, "Yes, yes," and, and you know, Stoke was a Sith or whatever garbage, whatever that is. So I mean, I feel like that's going to happen. There's going to be retcon. Nah, nah, no, girl. We you, know, we know, we disagree on this already. We'll see. We'll girl, see we, what happens. We, we'll see what happens. We'll see. I'm, we'll I'm going to keep track of. Well, we're going to debate and argue what's a retcon because that's also going to be an issue. Like, what's up with the retcon? <laughs> yes, it is. It's going to be. It's going to be that. I just know it. But really fast, I want to say that with. What I'm gonna, how I think the Sith are going to be involved, regardless of whether he's a Sith or not, how it's going to happen. I think, and this is not like a mind blowing uh, thing of what I'm going to say here, but what I think is, I think that Palpatine's in that mask of Darth Vader, and there's you know, there was a lot of talk of rumors about Darth Vader uh, or Kylo Ren talking to the mask of Darth Vader, and. Mm things i think the fact that the, the mask and think about this and this is why it makes a lot of sense because if you think about when when kylo ren is thrown over or it's kylo ren when 
Emperor Palpatine is thrown over in Return of the Jedi, and his essence comes out. His everything kind of flies out, and you see, like when he's getting electric, when when he throws uh, Palpatine off, you know, Vader's mass is getting like blown away and all that stuff. And what I think is that he is linked to not only the Death Star but things around the Death Star. So when Kylo Ren takes the mask, eventually, he brings essentially Palpatine with him everywhere. So then so, Palpatine communicates to Kylo Ren. So think about this. Let's assume that I'm right. Just throw me a bone here. Let's assume that I'm right. Think about that what? scene. Think about that scene when Kylo Ren's talking to the mask in The Force Awakens. When he says, "Show me again the you know the value of the or whatever the darkness, the power of the, or power of the darkness." You know, and you know he's talking to it like he's talked to it like a bunch of times. So if he's talking to it, and then let's say in Rise of Skywalker. Like it's revealed that it does talk back to him and it's Palpatine, but he doesn't know it's Palpatine. Think how more powerful that scene in Force Awakens is at that point. The fact that he's he's talking to basically Palpatine at that moment, but he doesn't know it. I have one quick thing to add to this. I think one of the things that Abrams did well, and I'm not entirely sure how much he would want to continue with this theme, but one of the things he did um, the best in The Force Awakens was to show how Kylo's ambitions only hurt him and i think if kylo was to become a sith it would be framed as both a triumphant moment for him and a very a moment that very obviously hurts him and does not satisfy him so and i'm thinking of kylo's characterization in the force awakens overall where he was um kind of always looking to become someone other than himself and I'm thinking specifically of the scene where he kills Han and is sort of like, I, I've done this, I'm, I'm doing this in a very intentional way, I'm doing this to fulfill a certain um, trope, almost, of darkness. And then yeah. afterward, d- does he feel satisfied? Does he feel like the person he wants to be? I don't think he does. So I think That's any case not. where he takes Vader's mask or he becomes, like he, if he gets a Darth title... I don't think Abrams will portray that as like, here's a triumphant victory for Kylo Ren. I think he will portray it as here's a person who just got everything he ever wanted and found out it actually kind of stinks. And that'll be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. That would be surprised if that's what we got. Yeah. Yeah. That's what Kylo is. He's a vision. And that's what a lot of the Sith are is a vision of like misplaced ambition. Yeah, that's a really good point. Really good point. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. All right, let's move on from this to The Mandalorian, which was meant to be our main topic. We've talked uh, a little bit about the new footage, but we also got an Entertainment Weekly article, which gave us Trandoshan photos. Yeah, I want this to be kind of a freeform section because I didn't like make notes that are very specific. But, um, and we talked already about the D23 presentation, but the Transocean picture <laughs> was the thing that came out just very recently. And they look, uh, they look different. I don't, I'm not loving it. They look a lot more like people in masks than I expected them to. But that's a really bad angle, too. Let's be real. I mean, there's, when you, I, I have, a, I have, a, I, I don't know if you ladies have, have ever heard me say this before. And I think I've said this on the show and other show, obviously other podcasts, but for people who <laughs> listen to my other shows, but I have a saying about costumes and it goes like this, but see it in motion. You gotta mm-hmm. see it in motion. Because like their fun- faces are so short. They don't look like lizard faces. They look like almost but like Klingons. You're right. But we all, we don't, we also don't know how much CGI they're going to put on these faces either. We don't know. Mm-hmm. How because they're this is a very expensive sh- uh, show. It's a hundred million dollars. They're from what we see in the in the in the footage, just in the ten minute the quick thing we saw through and what's it called at celebration, which was amazing by the way. <laughs> the easily I, I, forgettable celebration. Yeah, I know exactly. But my point is this: is that they can easily modify a lot of that stuff. I feel like that's just if you look closely, they don't you don't see their faces straight on. It's just them, like very side, you know, side profile kind of a thing. Wouldn't they want to make a marketing photo look as good as they could, though? Well, I know EW right. does sometimes get behind the scenes, but they're like specifically, I think it, yeah. It looks very behind the scenes, to be honest. I mean, it doesn't like if you look at all the photos, look kind of honestly, weird. they look kind of like action figures more than anything else. Yeah, everyone thought that. Like, you know, there, there's a shot of um, uh, the, the, is it Doom or Doom Girl? I want to call her Caleb. It's not Caleb Doom. What's her name? Um. The, the the lady rebel yeah um, is it dune yeah. like sand yeah um, yeah i think it is so there's that weird uh, not weird photo but there's a photo of like them like kind of like getting ready to like brawl with people like like hand to hand and it looks very like it just doesn't look, it looks off to, it's not off it looks weird it's, it's like eh, it's and just, i think it's because they aren't stills from the movie yeah, yeah exactly that's and that's what i'm saying is i think these are like these these shots are just are not necessarily what you want to base it off. Oh, these look weird. They do, it does look weird. Don't get me wrong. It does look weird, but I don't think it's gonna look exactly like this in the show like, at all. And I'll I'll eat those words if it does, but I really do think there's gonna be more to that. Like I I would not be surprised if they add CGI to think important things like that because the show is they're not gonna make the show look cheap. What and it does not look cheap at all in my opinion, besides maybe that photo, that one photo or the other photos we've seen that aren't from the show. They're like, they're like from the set kind of a thing. That's the only way I, I don't think, I think they're going to look way different. So let's see emotion. Let's see the final product, but that's my whole thing before you judge a, a still picture of a, like a, of a superhero sci-fi, whatever fantasy, see it in motion first. Once you see it in motion, then, then you make the judgment. Cause things look a lot better once they're moving. And the market will tell, right? Like either this will bring people in or it won't. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if it if it looks cheap and bad, people are going to say it, and it's going to backfire, for sure. 
The other thing was uh, EW had a very intriguing headline about the Mandalorian containing some connections to the rise of the First Order. It was pretty short on details, and I wondered whether this was going to be a major story beat or just a good headline hook that says maybe, like, that really means, like, the First Order is kind of in an episode. So I'm not sure which that's going to be, but I am intrigued by the idea of maybe them putting together some of the pieces that have been present in book series, like Aftermath, um, and questions about, like, what's up with uh, General Hux's father? What's up with um, Grand Admiral Ray Sloan, one of my favorite characters? So that's interesting. Did either of you think... Did you read this article? Did you think there was much to talk about here or that it was kind of like a maybe situation? I avoided it, to be honest. I, but I figured that there's some truth to it. I think there's going to be mo- mostly like the seeds of the First Order. We're not going to see First Order stormtroopers, but you're probably going to see the First Order mentioned and, and represent themselves and say, come with us. We are the new empire. We are the First Order. And and go from there. That's what I think we're going to see. And that's what they were probably insinuating that we'll see as this. And I think as Mandalorian goes on, and I haven't read the articles, maybe they already established this. I don't know, but I think the Mandalorian will probably be the bridge of what the empire turns into the first order. So there'll be stormtroopers at first, and then we'll start seeing evolution of those first order stormtrooper uniforms. We'll get something in of those first iterations in a later season. Well, we could also get some stuff because of um, the moth that we get. Yeah. Like, we don't moth. know how much we're going to get of his, yeah. like, stuff with the with the Empire being, you know, fractured and probably the new, the First Order coming in, whatever is going to turn into the First Order coming in moth and Gus. picking up pieces. So it's entirely possible that he will be in some way, like, it, a way to explore the start of the First Order. Yeah, that's a Gus from Breaking Bad, so I just call him Moff Gus. <laughs> He's sweet. I love Gus in Breaking Bad. He was so tough. Sorry. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> are we, we going to break down this trailer? There's like cool stuff in this trailer. Yeah, let's do it. Sure. All right. I guess if you want, I can just can keep going yeah. here. Uh, so You sound like you're ready to do this, so you go for I, it. Girl, I'm ready. I'm ready. No, I think this is what I'm curious what you guys think, because... I I think the trailer from the celebration was better than this one. Huh. Yeah, there's cool. There's a lot. Of, there's some of It feels like thought. it had more in it. Yeah, I feel they really tried to like downplay the whole series, it seemed like. I think there's now there don't get me wrong, I, I like the trailer and I love the idea. When you have this, when you when it starts off with the with the stormtroopers helmets on the sticks, that is that to me is t- on on a trailer, mind you, that is them being Disney and Lucasfilm telling the audience, and I think not us Star Wars people, or, or us Star Wars people, but mostly everyone and all you know, who are not super super hardcore Star Wars fans that this is going to be a little more edgier. A little edgier, it's not more edgier, sorry, my bad English. A little edgier than your typical Star Wars show that you maybe were anticipating. And I think that was a smart, smart move. Whether that's what they were doing or not, it sends that message immediately and tells I you what... I just think it looks cool. <laughs> it does. I think it really... It's really cool I think, aesthetic. Yeah, I, th- I think there is a, some truth to that, just because I, this is going to be a little edgier and a, a little more 
not not your friendly uh, the friendliest of star wars shows it's not gonna be like a neighborhood mandalorian exactly i think it's gonna be it show it tells you know basically tells the super conservative moms this is not gonna be a show you can sit your four-year-old at and say okay what star wars there's gonna be a little you're gonna have to be a little bit more mindful of that and i'm very i'm very intrigued maybe i'm way off but it definitely feels that way but the trailer was really cool like I said, I don't think it's as good as the celebration one. Celebration one, the little teaser thing, they, teaser thing they showed was really really cool. But everything that I see is amazing. I I cannot wait for this. I'm so I'm so cannot wait for November. I'm still kind of wincing from the the cut where they it kind of cuts off right before the the person gets crushed in the door. That like at the very end of the trailer, the Mandalorian like pushes an alien into the doorway and then the door irises close. I'm like, ouch. So cool. <laughs> ouch. That's exactly. Sure. That's another violent, that's a violent thing. Like that's a, that's something that I didn't think Disney would want to do, but they showed it in a trailer. Like they're, sh- I mean, I really feel they're showing everyone that this is not going to be this, you know, super ultra family friendly. I think it's going to be family friendly, but it's not going to be ultra family friendly, which is cool. Which again, I don't think that young kids couldn't watch that show, but I think it just cautions parents who are really conservative and don't want their kids seen. You know, again, nothing against that, but if you are one of those, they're just basically trying to warn people, this is not going to be, you know, Star Wars Resistance for your kids to watch. This is yeah. going to be a little more edgier. So and I think I'm ready cool. for that as long as the ideas back that up and yeah. um, mm. as long as the ideas are kind of. Uh, I'm trying not to say the word adult because that has implications I don't want are um, complex to go with the more complex fights and the more complex kind of ideas about physicality. Yeah, and I also don't want to go like, I don't want to be like grittier and edgier for the sake of like Game of Thrones of Star Wars. Like I want it to still be Star Wars and Star Wars at its core can't actually be that. Yeah, no, yeah. Well, I've said... Or one scene that I really liked in the trailer was the scene with the ship flying above a forest because it was brightly colored. It had a um, an adventurous look to it. Like, I think the ship is pretty cool. It showed that there is going to be kind of a wonder to the story. And all the, the details that have come out so far have said that the Mandalorian himself is generally like he has a code that he lives by. He's not an evil character um maybe that's where the whole thing about bounty hunting being complicated comes in like maybe he's trying to do it in a certain way and the nature of the job makes it hard to do it by the code but he like tries to do it by the code so i think arguably he's still they're trying to make him what their idea of a good like um if it was dungeons and dragons like a good alliance character would be um we'll see whether that's something that works for for me or for an audience that's kind of tired of edginess. Yeah. I I really liked one, but I really liked actually was the (laughs) death troopers. Cause I really liked the death troopers from rogue one. Like they just look cool and creepy. They sound so creepy. I love the sound design of them. And so when I saw those, I was just like, yes. Um, which novel was it that recently had one, like a couple chapters from the death troopers point of view? And it was actually like talked about how they were cybernetically modified and stuff. Wasn't it? I don't Alpha know. Squadron? Alpha Squadron mentioned that, like, it was Alpha Squadron. Was cybernetically modified. Was like, it? Like, she saw it. Yeah, there was the Stormtrooper sure. she saw that had, like, 
oh, you know, occasions I, and looked like a washout from the district. Yeah, I think there was another one, though. There was another one that went into more detail, and I keep thinking it was Master and Apprentice, but that doesn't make any sense because it's not the same time period. Um, there was one that went into more detail. I'll come back to this. Yeah, I... The, yeah, uh, Alphabet Squadron gave me, like, Spartan vibes? Yeah. Like, that was what I was like, gave Spartan? Me Spartan vibes, too, and it was very good. So I'm I'm here for more Death Troopers, especially if we get some that, that are, like, said. actual characters with names. Yeah. They just sound so cool. They're just really ominous and threatening, and it's, it's a really cool design, because I don't find Stormtrooper designs, like, scary. Like, I'm like, they look kind of dorky, but I see a Death Trooper, I'm like, yeah, I'd be scared of that. <laughs> You know, it's, it's funny that I thought that stormtroopers aren't necessarily scary, but I kind of thought they looked kind of like not menacing, but interesting in, in the Mandalorian when, when he goes and meets Warner Herzog's character. And uh, I thought that that was that was, they looked kind of like they looked dirty and kind of grungy. And I, I don't know, I kind of they looked a little creepier in that lighting a little bit, to be honest, for me. Uh, the stormtroopers in general, but yeah, d- death troopers are amazing. Uh, um, Thrawn Treason was the book that had a couple um, actual named Ooh. characters who are death troopers. Which one? De- uh, Thrawn Alliances. Oh yeah, I yeah I probably just didn't remember at all because it's Thrawn Alliances. Um, but what one of the things that you brought up, Saf, too, and I I've been saying this a long time is I think the Mandalorian will be the next Game of Thrones. Now, when I say next Game of Thrones, I don't mean, like, violence. Not not that reasoning. But what I think is going to happen, at least I'm anticipating, I think the popularity level, I think people are going to be excited to watch this show. I think it's going to have a lot of great buzz. And people are going to be, you know, they're going to be invested in the story. I think that's where that's and people it's gonna become event watching everyone's gonna have to watch it so they don't have to hear about it the next day kind of a thing i think maybe not quite to game of thrones but i think somewhat similar to that i think it's going to be somewhere on those levels and i think it and that's what i'm really excited about i don't know if it's ever going to get that violent i don't think star wars should be that violent but i do think in my opinion i think star wars has needed to get a little grittier in my opinion because we've gotten rogue one Rogue One, I think, is a movie that a lot of people, at least when I talked to, I was just talking to people at work the other day, and they came in, they were both, and this is not, I did not, I'm not making this up. They were complaining about The Last Jedi to me. And, you know, <laughs> I, I would not think you would be making that up. I mean, people might think that, but no, seriously. And, and they said to me, and they, they both agreed that Rogue One was the best. And I feel like that's a very, not everyone's favorite, but it feels like that's a very common thing that I read that people, or talk about Rogue One in a very positive manner, more so than all the other Disney films at this point. And I think part of that is there's a grittiness. There's there's a you know a little more. Mm-hmm. It's a little, it's a darker themes there. Not always, but there is there's a little bit there. And I think that we've gotten some of that in the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi, but nothing like what we're going to get in Rogue One or the Mandalorian. I think they're kind of similar. That they're showing us a different side of the universe that or the galaxy, if you will, that we don't really see necessarily. That we haven't got maybe since Jabba and from Mos Eisley. And I think that people that there's something there. I think and I think we're gonna see that that side of Star Wars that people want to see. I mean, the EU was you know filled with stuff like that with the Tales of Jabba's Palace, Tales of Mos Eisley, all the bounty hunter books. People like love those areas of Star Wars, and I think that we need. I'm glad that that Disney's finally going to explore that, especially with the first ever Star Wars live action series, uh, in this kind of re- regard. So. 
I'm really excited. I think I think for one, it's time for for Star Wars to kind of embrace a little bit grittiness to it. I don't want it to be all of Star Wars. Don't get me wrong. I don't want that all the time. But I I think it's cool they're going to explore that side of it. Yeah, I do hate. I hate grittiness so much. But Rogue One is my favorite, so I can't hate it that much. Obviously, Saf. I think. Do you have thoughts about the difference between? Game of Thrones grittiness and Rogue One grittiness because I feel like I almost do, but I need to psychically beam them into your brain so you can tell me them. Yeah, I feel like Game of Thrones grittiness is grittiness for the sake of being edgy. Um, Game of Thrones adds a lot of gratuitous violence and sexual content. Uh, It has, like, even, I mean, I don't read the books, but I know the books have that kind of stuff too, but the show took it further um, and would do it, like, at first, it was subversion because it was that uh, Martin was doing a subversion of the tropes. But then, as the subversions became the thing that the show was known for, it got grittier. Like the first season isn't so bad; it's really not that bad compared to the later seasons. Um, but yeah, it got known for the shock value of it, and so they had to keep shocking, and it got worse and worse. Um, and it was it was just gritty for the sake of what a fantasy, but. <laughs> humanity real humanity i'm talking this is quote marks in the air because the idea that humans are inherently violent and atrocious is like really a thing which isn't necessarily true right like it's the idea of like lord of the flies uh is supposed to be like this is the barbarism that people will return to in crises but actually no it's just the barbarism of an elite class of people who are used to things working a certain way like we always joked in high school that if our class had ended up in that situation, we would not have turned into that because that's not how our community works. Um, and I feel like that's kind of a collective storytelling idea is that at their base, humans are bad people kind of thing. Whereas Star Wars isn't about that, right? Like Star Wars is absolutely about inside people are good. Inherently, there is a goodness in people that can be brought back out. And I feel like that's what Rogue One is about as compared to Game of Thrones, where it's like people are bad and these are the bad things they do. Rogue One is about people can do bad things, but they can be good. And at the end of the movie, there's so much redemption. Um, Like Krennic, Krennic tried so hard to fix the mistakes he'd made. Jin tried so hard to help with that and to become someone that mattered. Cassian's all about doing the right thing, even if that means he has to personally sacrifice his own, like, emotional stability and his own morals to do that like that entire movie is about the good that people can do and i think that's the difference between what star wars can do with like more complex more mature themes is that at its core it should still be about that kind of stuff which will always give it a lighter tone even if like the aesthetics or the actual story aren't lighter than other things like it'll still have a lighter Mm. tone than stuff like game of thrones and I think that's important to what they've said about the Mandalorian's character or like his, because if he, how much he's a blank slate, because if he ends up being kind of an avatar of someone who's trying to be good in a dark world, I might, you know, I don't know, four months from now, what is time? I might be like, actually, this is one of my favorite characters. Who knows? I don't want to erase the possibility that that might be a chance. Um, but I I agree with you that it's down to kind of what's the motivation of the character and is there some kind of um, underlying idea of maybe there is... Uh, it's, it's weird to say this in a, a world like Star Wars where, like, there's a Death Star, a Death Star. Like, there are 
people that do terrible things. Emperor Palpatine is the example. But I want the idea of, like, someone who um, has a code and who does have the underlying belief that people are... have an amazing capacity to be good to each other, even in dark circumstances. Well, I, I want to say, too, that I don't think Mandalorian will be anything close or even there. It's not going to even be a comparison for those two things. As far as grittiness for game of Thrones, they are on a different be on HBO. There's not, cause you got to realize too, if really quickly to t- touch on game of Thrones, there is, there, it's also inherited with being on HBO of, of like all the other stuff that came before it. That's also expected from shows like HBO. Cause it is very adult based. And because of that, you have things like the Sopranos and other shows that came before it that are ultra violent and show lots of sexuality, things like that, that that's almost the norm for HBO and for all those things. So that's kind of, I do feel like there's a difference there in that, like the Sopranos did this stuff for like narrative reasons. Like that stuff makes sense in the, well, I mean like in general compared to game of Thrones where it is just, I I think game of Thrones gets a, a little bit of a bad rap, a little no, bit. No, Game of Thrones I, just sucks, Paul. <laughs> well, I, we agree, disagree on that. But I'm I will gonna, I'm gonna, really, really, fa- really, fa- really fast, really, really quick. Wait, I want to say, talk. let Megan talk. Literally, all I'm gonna say is that I need uh, the full disclosure is that I've watched like, like, 15 minutes of Game of Thrones at most. <laughs> I'm using it as the pop culture catch all. Yeah, I yeah. totally admit that I do not watch it. Well, right. Yeah. But I mean, like, just... I just in general hate the idea of like more mature stories having to like have some kind of grittiness like when i hear the term like gritty i have this visceral reaction in the same way that i have a visceral reaction to hearing games say they're visceral um (laughs) yeah that's because we need to go we need to like break the connection or clarify the connection between darkness and complexity yeah like there's a difference between edgy gritty stuff and mature complex stuff and they don't necessarily go hand in hand like darker a darker idea for a story can go hand in hand with more mature and complex themes but just because it's edgier and grittier doesn't mean it's actually going to do that stuff it could just be it's batman but he kills people kind of thing you know i i think that there is i think the term grittiness is is can be overused and it's over overdone at times i would agree to that but i think with with star wars there is there is a fine line to go. And I think there's a lot of fans that necessarily, they want to see a grittier series. And I don't, I don't mean like an more mature series, but by any means, and this is where I think it's very fascinating that the Mandalorian finds itself in a place where we have no idea what we're getting. We see the material we've seen, like the trailers, but we have not seen anything. We haven't seen the full episodes. We have no idea what, what exactly the tone and what is gritty? What maybe we're all off? Maybe there's maybe it's literally literally in the middle of everything is what we're thinking, and that's where I think is going to be the hard thing for the Mandalorian. Can it find that balance of pleasing the people that want? They don't want to say a kiddie show. And again, I don't, I don't want to say that that's a bad thing, but how can they? How does Star? Because for me, as a child, I saw Empire Strikes Back. That's one of the earliest memories I can remember is watching Star Wars Empire Strikes Back Return of the Jedi when I was like three or four years old. And I saw a guy's hand got cut off. And that is an edgier thing, especially for back then, 
when you have you know kids shows and things like that i mean like maybe back then they were a little more liberal with that stuff i don't know but to me i feel that that's still a that's an edgier thing that would be considered an edgier thing yeah to do. i feel like no i agree with that like i think i feel like the thing is that as game of thrones kind of took over the idea of what is gritty and mature got really skewed um mm, like that's, that's fair i, I feel like that. that's what's happened and i feel like that's kind of a part of where this is coming from as well is that like i when i want a more mature complex kind of star wars show i'm thinking more along the lines of like you know uh oh my god i literally just had the show's name in my brain um person of interest like that kind of thing mm, where okay. it has lighthearted moments and but it has some really dark stuff in it like it does have a lot of like uh, <laughs> like torture, like people getting shot, uh, PTSD, mm-hmm. people dying, that kind of stuff is in it, but it's like balanced, like that stuff isn't there all the time. It's balanced out amongst right. the rest of the storytelling. And I feel like, you know, that is a show that I would not watch with my nephew. That is not a child show, but I would not call it like a gritty, dark show. Yeah, well. yeah, totally. And that's kind of, that's what I want from The Mandalorian is that kind of thing. No, and exactly. That's why I get worried when people say they want gritty, edgy stuff because I'm like, oh, you want, like, because what that is now is very skewed towards the Game of Thrones side of things, where that's like, there has to be sexual violence and people have to be dying every episode. Constant murder, blood everywhere. And I'm like, I don't want that. I don't want that in Star Wars. Just leave that 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 to Game of Thrones. I think it all depends on what you you consider gritty, too. Everyone's definition is going to be a little different. I think that's where I think the problem... Just today, I was... It's amazing that my interpretation of what because it's a very broad thing a term like gritty or darker themes or or Mm -hmm. whatever it all is different to different people and i think that's the thing is where obviously we're not going to mandalorians are going to come close to like anything like that of of game of thrones but what's interesting is that again i go back to you know me watching empire strikes back as a child that i was pretty i was very very young and there's lots of and it's a heavy movie empire strikes yeah, back it's, it's a not scary a, movie for a kid yeah exactly so i mean but that's the thing that's the beauty of think of art for that's aimed at children for that's maybe not for young young kids like me but again that, that's why families mm. let their kids go watch these marvel films and some know, kids right? like to be scared that's another thing exactly. that i think is important yeah. to acknowledge in this um is that it's it can be fun to to go out of your comfort zone but um it's good that you said gritty is a really vague term because i think that's kind of the problem like we could go on and on about what does grittiness mean in american culture in 2019 i think we should narrow it down to star wars again but (laughs) well i feel like um looking at like stuff like i don't know uh I was going to say full in order, but that's not out yet. So we can't really look at that. But I mean, like kind of like games, um, like the general tone of games that triple A games that like are more of this kind of more mature kind of thing, like not for the kids. Uh, you can look at like the new Game of Thrones game, which is like, yeah, it's not super, super overdone or anything. Uh, it's got darker themes. It's really narratively strong. Uh, but it's not like gratuitous or anything. Like it does not like the original uh, God of War games, um, and like The Last of Us, which is like really solid, emotionally complex, like darker themed thing, has plenty of like violence and like bad stuff happening. I mean, there are zombies literally taking over the world, but it's still like not uh, gratuitous and it's not like overdone or overwrought. And I feel like that's kind of the line that the Mandalorian's going to strike. 
is that kind of similar stuff. And I feel like that's what people want in general. But yeah, and that's what I I don't know. I just want I just want a good show. I just want a good show that doesn't like make me feel bad for watching it. I was back on the Death Trooper thing. The Death Troopers <laughs> were in Thrawn Treason. <laughs> is that the new one or the other one? It's the newest one. It's the third one. I okay. tweeted that it's I. I tweeted about it and then double checked it, and it's actually treason. So yeah, I definitely thought Alliances was the new one, which we're doing great it's on three, these novels. It's th- it's Thrawn Treason. It's the third one. <laughs> Oh my god. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything to add about uh, Mandalorian. I'm looking forward to us having more to say about it when it actually comes out and uh, a little more like character. You know, I'm I really am. I don't want to sound like I hate this idea. I'm open to the idea of like masked character that goes around trying to be good in a rough world is a really cool idea. It's just tough when we don't know a lot about it and the stills look like action figures. <laughs> Yeah, the trailer has like a like the trailers and the footage from that have a really cool aesthetic. So I'm excited to see it at least for like aesthetically. Um, like it looks gorgeous. And also I'm really excited for IG Eleven, who I can't believe I didn't bring up till just now, uh, who's <laughs> played by Taika Waititi. And I am real keen for that. Like that's why I feel like this isn't gonna be like super dark, is because you literally have Taika playing a bounty hunting robot. Like, come on, that's gonna be fun. <laughs> So I think that's that's about all I've got for the day. I'm um I got my throne swapped, so I think I might be getting sleepy. <laughs> yeah, that's all good. We will close this as soon as Paul gets back. Yeah, we need to get Paul back though. Back, back. Sorry. Oh, he's back. Let's do it. Sorry. That's us for this episode. We will be back soon with hopefully not another month in between. Uh, talking about <laughs> new stuff. More stuff is happening. It will happen. We'll probably have a trailer by the time we record next. I don't know when the trailers are coming out. I'm just making stuff up. Now. I want there to be a trailer. That'd be awesome. Well, I would like that. I feel I like think... we're starting to head into when we're going to get more stuff. So actually, I'm being hopeful. Positive thinking, know, my friends. You know what? I think it. I think you're right. I think we're, the next episode we'll probably have to stage it around the trailer because uh, the Force Awakens and Last Jedi both trailers came out in October on Monday Night Football. Oh yeah, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's we will... so we will we will figure that out, ladies and gentlemen. We will figure that out. Damn, it's getting close. It with is. The, with that positive note of Star Wars getting extremely close, and now I'm suddenly terrified. <laughs> Join us next time. You can find us on Twitter at Blaster Cannon Pod. Cannon with one in Paul controls that account, so chat to Paul on there. Yeah. We are a podcast brought to you by Den of Geek. Thank you so much, Den of Geek, for having us. We, we love you and appreciate you a lot. Megan, where can people find you online? You can find me at blog full of words on Twitter. I write for starwars.com where I talk mostly about the Sith and include gratuitous M dashes and <laughs> um, Star Wars Insider and Den of Geeks website. I have a couple articles up about the Mandalorian right now, including one I'm pretty proud of about the um, New Hope influences on the trailer. 
Paul, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's and on Instagram at Herman22 with two N's as well. Uh, you can also follow my other podcast, the Marvel Newscast, or I should say the Marvel Studios News, somewhere around those lines. He's kind of changed the, Sean has changed the uh, Twitter handle a ton the last uh, couple of years. So I always forget what it is, but I'll triple check. It's Marvel Newscast. Yeah, at Marvel Newscast on Twitter. Lots of good stuff. All my Marvel, D23, uh, whatever, my thoughts and all that jazz is all on there. And there's a lot, trust me. So definitely check that out. And uh, yeah, hit me up on Twitter. And I am at Wanderlustin on Twitter, W-A-N-D-E-R-L-U-S-T-A-N. Uh, and that's the main place to find me is Twitter, because I love Twitter. Thank you for joining us. May the force be with you, I guess. Goodbye. Goodbye. I can't end it any better than that. Ojala. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.